All right. Well, I'm here with Caitlin, and we're going to talk about crypto API, among other things. But first, there's an Al Jazeera article, which I thought was interesting, saying in one of the American states, I think Connecticut, um, everybody's banning uh, TikTok now. You know, Trump administration got mad at it. Now the Biden administration is mad at it and saying TikTok is going to interfere in our politics and corrupt our children and stuff. And so Connecticut, when they got the information saying you should ban TikTok, asked the FBI, is there any actual evidence that TikTok has done anything bad? And they never got any. Because it does seem to be uh, one small step from just racism. It's possible that TikTok might do something bad because they're a Chinese company and the Chinese government might make them do something bad someday. Therefore, we should ban it. And so Connecticut decided not to ban it on the grounds that, you know, you haven't actually shown they've done anything wrong yet. You just have this sort of paranoid fear that they might. And that's all it seems to be. And I've heard Scott Galloway rave about how we have to ban TikTok because they'll brainwash our children to hate capitalism, maybe, but they aren't doing that. So anyway, uh, that's where we're at. And, uh, and then Caitlin has got another article about the layoffs. Yeah, so it turns out that there's a good reason why the layoffs are happening. And it's all spelled out in this article by uh, The Verge. Uh, so this is the article. Uh, it is written by Elizabeth Lopato. Um, and basically, to summarize the entire article, there are two main forces that are driving the layoffs. One is investors who don't understand anything and stupid managers who don't understand anything. And those are what are causing all the layoffs. Um, and so the article talks about a few different companies. Uh, there's Meta, Google, Microsoft, Salesforce, Amazon, uh, and Spotify, the, uh, Stripe, and I think after this article was written, IBM announced layoffs. I think maybe even Apple. And even Apple. And the reason why they're doing it is not because it like saves them money, uh, but because investors are sort of narrow-minded and they're only looking at sort of revenue per employee hired. And if you have a lot of employees and you're generating a good amount of revenue, and like let's say each, each employee only generates, let's say $10,000 of, of revenue over their base salary, um, you could make your numbers look better by having by reducing your number of employees um, and then have it go up to $11,000 per employee. Even though you're making less money overall, you can make the numbers look nicer to investors and the investors are stupid and buy it. So that's what the number that's one reason. The other reason is stupid managers because figuring out how to sort of restructure and reorganize and figure out how to best run a company is hard work. And if they're just told, oh, we can just lay people off, uh, they'll do that. Um, so um, let me read this one paragraph here. Uh, the author writes, so I called up someone who's been studying this kind of thing for a long time, Jeffrey Pfizer, a professor uh, at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. When I asked him about the similarities in company statements, his answer was succinct. The tech companies are copying each other. Quote, I think Peter Drucker, who is widely known as a father of management thinking, was quoted as saying something to the effect of thinking is hard, which is why most managers don't do it. There you go. <laughs> yep, absolutely. They just copy each other. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's this persistent belief. See, this reminds me of um, college teaching 
there's this persistent belief like Microsoft, every three months you have to fire the bottom 10% because you have to cut off the dead wood. And this is Silicon Valley's meritocracy, but it assumes you can measure merit. And this is like college teachers that think they really are proving that you deserve an A and you deserve a B. And that is a mistake made by amateurs, you know, uh, that haven't been in the business long enough. You eventually come to realize your your idea of measuring which one are the high performers and which one aren't is a whole lot less accurate than you think it is. Yeah. And I'm always reminded of the fictional character House, who if I were the manager of, even though they are the best, you know, fixed, they're basically Sherlock Holmes for you know, doctors, I would have them fired immediately from the way that they treat patients. There's more than one way to look at a, you know, an employee, you know, you have not only their technical skills, how well they work on a team, you know, they have all these things and they can all influence each other. And if all you're worried about is, you know, how good, you know, of an engineer they are, you can end up with a very toxic environment. Yes, and that's that's very much another part of the tech bro thing, that you can be a genius and any amount of bad behavior is tolerated if you're a genius. Nope. And I actually, I believe the original Sherlock Holmes, I think Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a doctor and he based Sherlock Holmes on a doctor who was able to diagnose diseases. Yep. Anyway, all right. And so uh, here's the article I thought was the most exciting, Crypto API is a Windows API call to handle cryptography. And Akamai went and reverse engineered a recent patch and figured out what happened, which is incredible. Crypto API is used by many utilities like Curl and PowerShell and others to uh, do cryptographic signatures, use certificate validation, not just HTTPS, but a lot of other things. And it was using just the MD5 signature of the certificate to verify the certificate. So all you had to do was generate a fake certificate with an MD5 collision, which is not that hard to do, and you could spoof certificates. So it is kind of amazing. I remember it was, I think, 14 years ago or something when people went to DEF CON and spoofed a uh, an HTTPS certificate based on MD5. So this is an amazing flaw to persist so long, and they just passed it a few months ago. And they now have proof of concept code to fool it. And they say um, a lot of people have not put on the patch. They say only 1% of uh, enterprise-level data centers have put on this patch. So they're all still vulnerable to this really fundamental breaking of the cryptographic security on Windows. So, and then uh, you've got these uh, prisoners taking classes. Yeah, so this article reminded me of you, Sam. So the Insider has an article written by Brittany Nguyen, uh, Nguyen uh, talking about a Harvard professor who put up his lectures for free over on the internet. What kind of pervert would do that? I don't know. I don't know. Someone, <laughs> I, I might be looking at someone very similar to that. Uh, and it was for computer science classes. And who ended up taking the, the classes uh, online? We're prisoners. And so this Harvard professor, you know, accidentally or maybe intently, I don't know, uh, ended up having a huge following of prisoners that absolutely love the work that he's doing. <laughs> and it really goes to show you that, you know, our educational system is kind of messed up. Like the we put all of a lot of our money into institutions like Stanford and Harvard. And, and these are the people that really don't need education, right? They or, or that level of, of support. Uh, but these prisoners absolutely do. Um, and so, but they're ending up getting it for free. So it really shows you that 
education really should be for everyone. Um, you know, get you know, gating the community off uh, from the people who need it most is hurting society, you know, as a whole. Um, and of course, this computer science professor and just by the fact of just sharing his materials online is helping rehabilitate countless numbers of uh, prisoners. And presumably they're going to get out of prison and maybe get a job with uh, FTX. Who knows? They are, or they might become powerful hackers and steal money yes, or something. exactly. You know, you know uh, this actually did happen to me indirectly. Years ago, I post, I was in charge of our CompTIA partnership. We became a CompTIA partner. We could get discount vouchers for A plus and net plus and stuff. And I just put up a web page explaining how to get a discount voucher. And then I started getting emails from the A plus teachers. Who are these strange people getting these vouchers? Are they in your class? I said, no, I thought they were in your class and they were prisoners in a tech, in a Tennessee jail. Somebody told them and like a whole, a whole bunch of them are getting these discount vouchers. There you go. Yeah. You see your, your wonderful students all. Yeah. All over the world, all, all in jails, all over the world. But no, I mean, you really, I mean, th this really does help them. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm sort of cracking jokes, but no, I mean, it really, it, it really is helpful. I'm really glad that these resources are available to the people that need it the most. Yeah. And, you know, I've always wanted to see more prison reform because prison is just sort of a pit you throw people into where they're abused and made worse. But it ought to be a school where they teach you useful skills and politeness and stuff. So when you get out, you can get a job and you don't go back to prison. It's ridiculous. It ought to basically be a military academy. That's what prison ought to be. Yeah. I mean, it, it should be someone looks at your resume, see they you just got out of prison and they should see that the same thing as you just got out of you know college or a trade school or something you know well i i don't know if i'd go that far but certainly you prison ought to be about correcting yeah. whatever defects caused you to go to prison so you won't do it again right or or give options out cuz most people don't want to be criminals right they they fell into it because they never learned any job skills and they yeah. don't have any interpersonal skills or something like that and you should be correcting those problems right yeah all right and so uh, the DO Department of Justice is suing Google, claiming that their ad dominance amounts to monopoly and threatening to break them up, although the threat to break them up is probably not very realistic. They often threaten this. The last thing they broke up was uh, AT&T 40 years ago, although they got pretty close to breaking Microsoft up in 1998, around that time. So um, they are accusing Google of serious anti-competitive conduct, acquiring competitors, forcing adoptions of Google tools, distorting auction competition and auction manipulation when people bid for keywords. So uh, Google probably should be forced to pay a fine and amend their practices. But in the most extreme case, they want to break up Google from DoubleClick, where Google's other activities will have to be separated from their ad targeting activities. But I think all the money comes from ad targeting. So I don't know how that would work. And I know it, um, it reminds me of talk about breaking up Amazon and see, Amazon, in fact, makes all their money from AWS now. Their other activities don't really run much profit. Those, uh, the web hosting services, it was the big money maker there. Anyway, um, it shows some appetite on the government to actually regulate big tech, and we'll see what comes of it. Usually, they big tech manages to fight back so far. And their argument always is, and has been back to Bill Gates, that the government should not regulate technology because technology changes so fast that the law can't keep up 
And that's what Bill Gates said. He said, you don't need to break us up for being a monopoly. Even though they own like 99% of the desktops, he said, we're running at full speed to keep up. And if we stumble, we'll fall behind. And that's what happened. Without any government intervention, Microsoft failed to innovate and Apple and Linux and everything moved up and took an Android and stole their lunch. And now they're just a small player by comparison. So anyway, and the last one you've got is the T-1000. Yes. Uh, so let's pull up the browser here. So science alert, uh, truly a science alert. Uh, be on high alert. Uh, this is a article by Michelle Starr, um, and it's titled "Scientists Create Shape Shifting Humanoid Robot That Can Liquefy and Reform." And we can see an example here of this GIF of the uh, metal alloy uh, going through some bars. And when I saw this, I knew exactly what was going on. Uh, and it, this is very similar to a, a similar robot that I saw earlier, which is a, it uses sort of a magnetic putty to sort of squirm and move around. So there's magnets below and it squirms around. Uh, but this, of course, is metal. So what's going on? Well, uh, the metal being used, I can almost assure you, is gallium. In fact, I'm pretty sure I read in the article, too, that it's gallium. Uh, but it, they also embed some iron or some, some sort of magnetic uh, material in the gallium. So they so at room temperature, gallium is a solid metal. Uh, and when you heat it up slightly, it becomes liquid. Now, this is very funny if you are in the chemistry department because it's a very common prank to make silverware out of gallium. And when you use the silverware, the uh, fork and everything sort of dissolves in your mouth. And it's very funny. And gallium's non-toxic. So, you know, it's very, very funny. But um, you can heat up this metal uh, a little above room temperature and it will turn into a liquid. Um, and then you can have the magnets below sort of slide it through any sort of grate. Um, and that's what they're doing. They're, it, there's, it's a little deceiving. It's not sort of, as far as I can tell, it's not moving on its own. Uh, there are sort of magnets involved that you can't really see. Uh, but uh, with the combination of magnets, this thing can, can turn into different shapes, get through things, solidify. Um, and there are, of course, many applications for this. Uh, one, of course, being creating the T-1000. Um, or yeah, uh, or yeah, I think it's, which what was it in the Terminator two? Was it the T one thousand? I think could, it was the T one thousand. The robot yeah, it, that can just melt and slide through bars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it can melt and go through bars and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I think from a medical perspective, and and also search and rescue per perspective, anything any robot that can sort of change shape and get through tight obstacles would be very very useful. Um, and they like to uh, to send into mines or collapsed buildings. Right. Or in, let's say you have a stomach clog. You mm -hmm. can have the robot go in and sort of fix the clog or expand to like open up an area in your stomach. Um, I guess you could do the blood vessels too, like that one yeah. where they, uh, they widen the blocked arteries. Exactly. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of useful potential things that you could do with this. Once again, though, it is not sort of self-contained. The robot itself cannot sort of move on its own. It needs the help of external magnets. Uh, but you know, it's it's good to see, and I, I do like to see the apocalypse, um, apocalyptic type technology being developed. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good one. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for this one. And being Friday, we'll be back on Tuesday.